QUT acknowledges the Turrbal and Yugara as the First Nations owners of the lands where QUT now stands. We pay respects to their elders, laws, customs and creation spirits. We recognise that these lands have always been places of teaching, research and learning. QUT acknowledges the important role Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people play within the QUT community. And here at How To Academia, we also acknowledge that these lands have never been ceded. Welcome to How To Academia. Leaving high school and joining the world of uni can be a weird and difficult time. On this podcast, we talk to our friends, students and academics to find out how they went about the process of developing professional skills, dealing with challenges and generally navigating the gooey mess of being a human in the academic world. Our guest this episode is Laurie Lockyer. Laurie is the Executive Dean of the Faculty of Creative Industries, Education and Social Justice at QUT. She is an internationally recognised expert in the fields of education and educational technology and is incredibly well regarded both in her academic field and in her role as a leader. In this episode, Laurie discusses her work both in Canada and later Australia, the unique struggles of leadership, especially at a time when both your organisation and the world are in a state of flux, and her favourite superhero. I'll also mention that pretty early in this episode, Laurie and Jody discuss bringing people and faculties together. The context, QUT recently went through a faculty restructure. Notably for this discussion, justice and law previously shared a faculty. Since the reshuffle in 2021, the School of Justice is now in a brand new faculty alongside creative industries and education. Without any further ado, Laurie Lockyer. Welcome to How To Academia. I'm excited to be here with you. Who the heck are you? (laughs) My name is Laurie Lockyer. My formal role is Executive Dean of the Faculty of Creative Industries, Education and Social Justice here at QUT, which is a lot of words. It is a lot of words. (laughs) What does it mean to be Executive Dean? Well, it's an interesting uh, situation right at the moment at QUT because Executive Dean um, at the moment is pulling together uh, a really large faculty, which used to be two and a half other Mm. faculties. It's an exciting opportunity because it means really being able to put together and try to facilitate something that I've been really passionate about in my entire career is bringing disciplines together to think about how we can teach differently, research differently, and capitalizing on all the expertise that we put together in our faculty. So executive dean is a little bit about strategy. What's the strategy behind that? And then everything down to the day-to-day about how you make that happen. So it is a crazy time to take on the gig of pulling all of these people together. I'm just going to launch in and ask, have you learned anything about your leadership through this process? Well, I have, and I... I probably recognize this about what I'm interested in and particularly what I'm interested in terms of leadership a while ago because I've been involved in starting new things many times in my career. Mm. So this, well, certainly the university has existed for a long time and the foundation faculties and schools have existed before that. I have lots of experience putting together new things and I think that's what sort of energizes me and I like the challenge of thinking about how something can be put together and how you can bring people on board to make that happen and try to set the conditions so that 
people can work at what their place is in a, in a new thing and how they can contribute to a new thing. So it's it's setting up something new isn't necessarily new to me, but certainly the context of coming into this during a pandemic, and we're still in a pandemic, in a fluid environment of, of constantly kind of reacting to, but at the same time trying to get ahead of the the climate that we're in in that sense. So I think that, and I think the new element too is just for me being new to QUT in the last 15 months, getting to know the people and really understanding how things have transpired in, in an environment of this university, but also in this city and state, which is, which is an interesting thing during this p- pandemic, because I think what's really become apparent to me is that we've all experienced this so differently that we've experienced the pandemic so differently I know my experience in the year prior to coming to QUT would have been very different than the general academic experience here at QUT and in other locations in Australia and around the world too so I think being aware that while we certainly have a global experience of a pandemic to a certain extent we all have very uh, different elements to that because of where we may have been at any one time. Like being a leader in a time of that massive challenge not only just with the pandemic but bringing a faculty together and taking that on I'm curious how you would hope people would think about you as a leader. Well, I think, I hope I've been able to make visible what I truly feel as a leader, and that is that my first starting point is always a respect for and care for the people of the organization. And because we are, our organization is a university, that also is right at the top of the list, not only as the staff, but the students. I hope that comes through. I think it's challenging to make that clear in an environment where we have the fluidity of working from home and studying from Mm -hmm. home and all of that. And so it's harder to get to know people and allow people to get to know you when you're not face to face. Um, And you know, you've got that mediation of a screen often and and that, that element. And I guess another aspect is that our organization, this university, but also in our faculty, but this is, I think, happening in a lot of other places, the scale of our organization just keeps getting bigger and bigger Mm. and bigger. And so the number of people that you interact with um, or want to interact with is large, but the opportunity to do that and really get to know people is, is limiting. So you kind of need to try to find creative ways to do that and don't necessarily know if that always works. I think that's one of the things is just the reality is that things are difficult and complex yeah. and finding ways through that is not yeah. an easy yeah. Absolutely. thing to do. Yeah. So it seems to me that in that wanting to be a leader that demonstrates care for people mm. resonates with social justice being part of mm. the faculty. Yeah. How did you feel about the School of Justice being within your yeah. kind of jurisdiction of care? Well, I guess I really, I really saw that... Uh, the value of the term of social justice being in the faculty name is really important and that was one of the things that attracted me to this is that while we have the school of justice in the faculty the term social justice to me has been something that is a uniting factor for the faculty because it's not just about the school of justice and 
I think that was one of the things that was very pleasing to me in all of my initial conversations with people in the faculty, no matter what school they were in. Mm. People were interested in that concept of social justice or some of the key elements that do make up social justice. So I think that was really pleasing. And I think having the school of justice in this faculty makes a lot of sense to me because just the, the combination of our disciplines and some of the underpinning disciplines that make up each of the school, including justice, there's just a lot of synergies between them. It just makes a, a lot of sense. I think that we have the potential of doing more interesting things because mm. we are a collective of these different disciplines. And, you know, I've always been a humanity, social science, arts type person. That's always been part of my background, no matter what I've done. And so I guess I, I've probably drunk the Kool-Aid of the importance of has disciplines in ter- terms of making a difference in the world. And, and I see justice as have being a key part of that. Yeah. yeah. For outsiders looking in at our faculty and what we're trying to do, what is it that you hope they see? Well, I guess one of my key interests, and I think this is important no matter what, whether you're a uh, undergraduate student in university or whether you're working in any kind of organization, one of my key interests for this faculty was not to create an entity that was a bunch of silos. You know, I think we have a way to go. We're still a new faculty. But I hope what people can see from the outside is people working together in different ways. So that's that's one element that I hope people see. And I think that's important, again, if you're an undergraduate student, that you take the opportunity not only to explore the thing you've decided to study, but also other things that are generally of interest to you or you may not have even thought about before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important aspect of being a student is that opportunity to just explore. And same thing with the other organizations. I think that when people work in silos, it's so limiting. And I think it's important to think about how you can work with other people who think differently to you, bring something different to to the table, have different expertise. And I guess that other element is for our faculty, that view of that we want to make a positive difference in the world. So change is sometimes seen as a bad thing, but I think we're in a, a situation at the moment where Australia is also going through another change. And I think... Hopefully people see what's happening within our faculty, and I always say that in terms of what our students are doing, what our staff are doing in their teaching, in their research, is to make a a positive difference. There's this shift, this beautiful shift, I think, in what we're seeing at the moment politically, but also I think what we're seeing institutionally towards women as leaders. Mm Are there women that you have admired in modelling your leadership? Yeah, look, I think there has been uh, throughout my career and through my studies. Even in school, I remember fantastic female teachers who um, demonstrated an interest in students and authentic in terms of being clear about who they were and being willing to demonstrate that. So I, I certainly remember teachers in even primary school and high school who who did that. And I guess in my my career, I've done a lot of different things. So I had the the fortune of coming out of my master's degree and working in a very interesting government agency in Canada, which was primarily full of males and being hired by an extremely strong woman who was in a role of bringing 
two different parts of the organization together. And that was a, would have been a big call for her. She was a, a woman of color as well. So for her to be able to stand up and take on a, a particular leadership role of bringing parts of a, an organization to, together, being able to see someone work with that confidence, but again, also with that care of bringing along people who she was working with, both, both men and women, mm. was, was interesting to see. When I moved into a, another organization, I worked for the, the National Cancer Institute in Canada and had access to amazing uh, women researchers who, uh, again, I saw who were really good at what they did, but also really generous in terms of how they worked with others and, and how they mentored others. And I think that those, those really early experiences have influenced me in terms of what I want and what I hope to, to bring to my own leadership. How did you end up in higher education? <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a fluke, probably. Um, I'm a disciplinary traveller. So my undergraduate degree is in social science, majoring in history in Canada. So in Canada, you get to go to university and work out what you want to do after you've been there, not necessarily making too many decisions ahead of time. And then I tried to work out what I was going to do with a history degree and I went into library and information science in the early 90s when the web only just became a thing the internet became accessible through the web and so I decided I knew I wanted to do something with technology in those early stages and I did a few things including this government agency and I ended up at the National Cancer Institute of Canada and I was hired there because of those early technology skills in those days and I got involved in research and evaluation, which was really, really exciting, and I learned on the job. And I realized in order to do anything more in research, I needed to get a PhD. Mm. I'd been working uh, in a national research network, and so I thought about uh, different universities across the country in Canada that I could go to, and I thought I'd just chuck it all in and come to Australia to do my PhD completely expecting to go back to Canada and work in some kind of research institute, not necessarily in universities. But then finished my PhD here and never left. So, so I moved from one role to another, first in the university that I uh, obtained my PhD and then continued to move through different aspects of academia in other universities as well in Australia. Did you fall in love with the human or the country? Both, I think. <laughs> um, I, uh, a human, um, the country, and also, I guess, the opportunity. I, I think one of the big lessons for me that I probably started thinking about even from my early undergraduate days was to look to s- take advantage of the op- opportunities that were um, presented to me. So, and that was in the initial stages. I landed, decided to do my PhD at the University of Wollongong. The University of Wollongong in uh, the late 90s was a world-leading multimedia education, Mm. educational technology uh, environment with world-leading people who were running a a research centre there. So that it was in a way was a little bit of a fluke because of the people who I had met along the way and who opened me up to that opportunity. And then, uh, given that it was late '90s, early 2000s, when higher education was ha- getting a, a bit of a revitalization in Australia, that meant there were academic opportunities. Uh, so, so 
those continuing opportunities that were presenting themselves and a human who um, <laughs> who also presented themselves um, was the combination of uh, not necessarily running back to Canada and exploring things there. Yeah. Do you miss Canada? Uh, uh, after 25 years, I certainly miss people, but uh, not, not necessarily the, um, you know, it's like... Canada's a lovely country, but it's also a lot colder than here. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Queensland is a big difference from anywhere in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. Was going to university always a given for you? It was a given because my parents didn't have those opportunities. So I'm a first-in-family university student, completely first-in-family, really, in that even in terms of uh, my parents, aunts, uncles, uh, and I was probably the first wave of, of sort of my... Um, cousin cohort to to start to go to university so it was a given because my mum particularly didn't have that opportunity my dad finished primary school my mum had to finish part way through high school uh and you know my parents were depression era babies so the opportunity the the opportunity didn't present themselves so I was absolutely expected to pursue education in their minds because it meant a lot to them it helped that I loved school. I, I loved primary school, I loved secondary school. So it was also a given in my mind that I would continue on an educational path um, in those early days, yeah. Why history? Oh, I think partly it was, um, again, an influential primary school teacher. Uh, so I had amazing primary school teachers in, this, in um, those last few years of primary school who started to work together. There was. In the last two years of primary school, there were four um, teachers who worked together to start helping the students transition to high school. So they actually started moving us around the four classes in order to, um, depending on the subject area mm. of their interest and expertise. So we started doing rotations, and they had really innovative pedagogy. And this uh, one teacher who probably was most inspired by um, was particularly interested in expertise in history and I think that inspired me and that kept kept that going for the for the rest rest of my thinking into my undergraduate degrees again being in Canada uh, the undergraduate model is different in that you kind of choose a pathway into the social sciences or the and arts or the science. You kind of choose a bit of a has or science pathway in your early mm. stages of the of going to university, but you don't really have to choose a major until into your first year. And yeah, I just again that took that took the opportunity of what I was interested in learning and didn't necessarily think too much about what that meant for a job afterwards. I love that. <laughs> I think do what you're passionate about and figure the rest yeah. out as you go along. Yeah. Is there a event or a point or something in history that sticks with you that gives you joy? Oh, look, I was um, most interested probably at the time of being just, just, I guess, the history of the Americas so South and North North America and I think that and this probably leads to my interest in in social justice uh, I, I was interested in what it meant for the uh, colonialization of mm. the North and South America and what that meant for the people who had been there first uh, I think our understanding of that has moved on a lot since I was in university but still I think uh, I again 
in undergraduate had some very progressive academic uh, faculty who started to be uh, to critique what had happened during those periods and opened my eyes to to those to, to those issues. So I think that has had an impact on me going forward mm. around that in in thinking about what what that means for us now in terms of social justice and how we recognize it and um, recognize what has happened in the past, but also think about how we move uh, forward in a in a better way. This is a ridiculously huge question. <laughs> Forewarning. Yeah. How do you think institutions can do better at engaging with First Nations peoples? Well, I think the, the first element is uh, uh, trying to work out how First Nations people can have a voice in providing a sense of how things can change. I think that we often come from the direction of how do we include First Nation people in the structures that exist rather than thinking how do we seek advice from First mm. Nation people about how we can change those structures. And that's really, really hard. Like it, It's a big question and it's a really, really hard answer. And we've had hundreds of years of doing it in a different way so it's going to take time to change that but I think that's the starting point it's not thinking that the the structures of the way we do things are necessarily or have been doing things are necessarily the right way we actually need to think about how do we find the appropriate ways of including different voices to question question mm. those structures and change those and and I think that's a challenge, even. And I, you know, I, I use that the terminology of appropriate ways, and I don't even know what that means because I think we need to ask what are the ways that we bring the voices together. I agree, and I think as a woman who has been part of the colonial history, as in my people have been colon- yeah. colonizers, that point of going maybe we're not right, and what is comfortable for to us yeah. Yeah. is maybe not the most important. Yeah. thing yeah. and we need to critique and challenge our yeah. own perspectives yeah. is some of the hardest and I see students grappling with it yeah. in trying to come to terms with where they sit and how they yeah. engage and I think it's a beautiful thing. Mm. Do you see many differences between Canada and Australia in that? Oh, look I I feel like I'm a little bit too removed from the experienced in Canada at the moment now after mm-hmm. being away from it for 25 years in terms of living it I, I, I feel like it's kind of a bit of a uh, an, an up and down situation in that the environment the political uh, climate in each country kind of has its up and downs mm-hmm. over the course of particularly May, the last 20 years of making steps towards uh, a change, and then maybe taking some steps backwards. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't feel like I know enough in uh, about the in, in the true reality in Canada. That's completely know. okay. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sometimes I question whether I know enough about the true reality in Australia. Well, I, th- I think that that's that's the case. Yeah. 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 So, can we just go back to being that first in family? Was there mm. particular things that you grappled with to get through university or to get there? Yeah, look, I think for me, 
I had no frame of reference about what it meant to go to university. So, and I chose to go to a university that was uh, away from my home. So it meant going uh, and living uh, away from family. A, a lot of uh, school friends went to the same university. So I at least had some peers to begin begin the journey with. I think that the, if, I, if I went back um, in time, I would probably tell my former self to uh, spend more time thinking about how I learn and develop, developing some better school skills in those early days about how I learned. Because I think I went from having it pretty easy learning was came pretty mm. easy to me and that switched when I went to uni- university probably the the combination of it, uh, living in a uh, different environment and having a different social uh, network in university but also just the step up in learning even you know realizing that you need different strategies uh, when you're uh, taking taking on different Subjects that you might not have come across before, or a different, different uh, pedagogical frames, uh, different types of teachers. So I think that if, uh, as I said, if I if I went back, I, I would give myself the advice that you need to spend as much time thinking about how you learn and ha- and have strategies for learning as actually not necessarily thinking you can rely on those those prior strategies uh, so much. Has some of that filtered through in your subsequent research interests? It has, so that's uh, probably why for me as a someone who's an educational researcher and someone who particularly looks at how technology uh, is used in, in learning, I'm very interested in self-regulated learning and how mm. um, people engage in those self-regulation strategies to support their, support their learning. I have the question I'm going to ask it now that I usually ask at the end. Yeah. In that, do you have a favourite theory or theorist or piece of work that sticks with you? Well, interestingly, because I think because of me saying I'm a disciplinary traveller, and I have therefore been exposed to so many different theoretical frames in my uh, career, and also because I started really engaging in research in the frame of research related to the cancer experience mm. and so a very different set of health health type theories i've really always engaged in research with starting with i guess a question i've probably always started with a quite a practical question that has led me to question what's the research question behind this right what don't really we know to solve that that pr- practical question and then exploring theories that are going to help me answer that question. So when I was early stage in my um, educational technology PhD, I probably was interested in theories that looked at pedagogy differently, so constructivism and elements of how people work together to learn and what that social interaction associated with with learning is is about. But I've probably progressed on from that in different ways as I've explored research questions and that's probably pretty consistent with my interest in bringing different disciplines together to answer questions. Mm. So I don't feel like I am beholden to any particular theory. Yeah. Do you miss history? Well, as an academic pursuit, I don't think I miss it because of the kinds of questions I'm interested in now. Mm. But I think it's always part of me because it's, uh, it is my, my first academic pursuit in undergraduate. And so it, it helps me think about you know, 
my experiences. It helps me think about the current events and news. So um, you get to, it, to engage in that when when uh, you want to. Yeah. This is a question that I asked my first year students. Do you have a favourite superhero, serial killer, villain or crime fighter? <laughs> well, I've answered this question before and that's only because probably it's a Canadian one is that's Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it's the humour. <laughs> Maybe I get that. To the humor. <laughs> I totally, I totally feel that. Um, do you think there are particular things about being a woman in leadership that are important to you? I guess what's important to me is the responsibility I have to bring that voice to the table the, as as a woman, but also I think uh, recognize that. The importance of bringing diverse voices to the table. You know, I have to say, in terms of my career, I have been fortunate to be mentored by and been provided by opportunities. I would argue equally by both men, from both men and women. But I have, you know, found myself in situations where I look around the table and I might be the only woman at the table, and therefore I feel the responsibility to not only step up and call that out <laughs> um, similarly if I see that we don't really have a lot of diverse other diver- diverse voices at the table but then also um, realize that I have a to a certain extent a representative role I have you can't represent diversity completely because you bring what you bring to the table but that's uh, that's the importance of recognizing that when you speak you're not just speaking for yourself you're, you're speaking beyond yourself and mm-hmm. I think that's important what do you draw on in that moment when you need to step up and call out being the only woman at the table or the lack of diversity? What do you pull up to be able to do that? Look, I think in a university environment, it's actually not too controversial to do that because I think in a university environment, people have that awareness and understanding that we need to do better in that respect and I think we do a lot better than we did prior but I think the other element is is being willing to say I don't know um, and say maybe we need to uh, only take this discussion so far because we need other yeah. We need, we need to find a way of bringing those voices in. It might not necessarily always be at the same table, but there's got to, there's, there's got to be ways to, to, to find out. One of the things I love about getting to flit around and talk to people for this mm-hmm. podcast is how many people come back to the point of, look, we don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, we're yeah. figuring it out yeah. and we're not there yet, yeah. but we just keep trying to plug yeah. away at figuring it out. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And again, whether you're an undergraduate student, uh, a student at any student at any stage of your academic pursuits, uh, whether you're an academic or have a particular leadership role in any organization, I think it's important to say when you don't know. And yeah, that, that trying to figure out how we can find out mm-hmm. is, is important. Mm-hmm. What are your, I guess, what would be your advice to young women looking to pursue leadership positions? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think not being afraid to put your hand up. And I think that I have seen that I have been 
pleasantly seen people being more willing to to give leadership a try um, and also not being afraid to ask for help um, mm. from others because sometimes people don't necessarily know that you're interested or that you need support in order to do that so I think that is is, is important is being willing to give something a try being willing to fail at something and also being a, willing to ask ask for help I love that and I think that the thing that we have lost touch with a lot is that willingness to fail yeah at things and I think we are weaker mm. for that mm. do you have any advice to young men who will work with women as leaders throughout their career look I, I think that uh, for all of us it's that seeing both sides of things, of, of recognizing who you are working with and recognizing what people bring to the table, but then also allowing that to, in a way, disappear and just deal with the mm. individual, not necessarily uh, see someone as a man or a woman or uh, depending on what someone looks like, but re- realize that we all bring um, different things to the table, uh, no matter what gender we are, or what might be our cultural background, and deal with someone one on one. Top tips for students surviving at university: give it, give it your all for whatever you can give your whatever your all is at any one time, and that can that's going to change. Um, not be afraid to fail and try again. Not be afraid to ask for help. Don't worry about any one decision you make about your studies at any one time because you can you can change your mind uh, or you can follow a different path. Love that. Laurie, it's been an utter delight and I totally respect and admire your willingness to step into such a complex and difficult space and offer leadership and I see that care for people will come through in the small things that you do to acknowledge people. Thank and you. I want to appreciate that. Thank you. So... Thanks for being here. Excellent. Thank you for the conversation. You're so welcome. This podcast was hosted and produced by the excellent Dr. Jodie Deeth. Editing by Kelsey Adams. That's me. Music by Poddington Bear. And this podcast was developed with support from the Queensland University of Technology. Thank you for listening.